Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soini Koch. With all of the events happening in healthcare, I thought it would be really great to have another healthcare team to tell us about how some of these trends are affecting them. So I'm really pleased to have on today's show, Scott Arant and Dan Ballantyne from American Health Imaging, um, one of the largest imaging companies in the United States. So welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So gentlemen, what is happening from your perspective with all the changes in healthcare and how is that affecting you? You know, unfortunately, too much is happening from Washington down, which makes it very difficult in today's healthcare market to kind of plan for your future and how you want to grow your company. Uh, but by and large, it really comes down to controlling costs today. And that's what we see uh, the efforts are in Washington, although in most opinions, I don't know that it's all that effective yet. But that really is the driving force is how do we get cost of healthcare down? And as an outpatient imaging operator, we're able to do uh, high-tech imaging, that being MRI and CT scans, at a much more cost-effective rate than any large institution, and we'll call those hospitals. Uh, by and large, we provide uh, outpatient MRIs for, on average, $550, and that's a global thing, and that's our contracted rate, which I'll come back to in just a moment. Uh, but the hospitals, by and large, provide the same service on the same scanners and oftentimes read by the same radiologist for two to three thousand uh, dollars, CT scans we average probably three hundred dollars, where the hospitals are twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. So a major difference. And when you look at most consumers today, they have high deductible health plans. They're forced to be consumers in healthcare, and so uh, we're seeing that a lot of individuals now are shopping for certain healthcare services. Imaging is one of them, uh, and consequently, uh, we've seen, I think I can say, tremendous growth in the past four or five years uh, in our, our patient volume because people are finding us and they're seeking to save those dollars. And that's real for me. I had a procedure earlier on this year, and when I they told me I needed to get an MRI, I asked around and I called up some friends. And when I called you, I was like, well, how much are you going to charge me? Because I also have a high deductible plan. Well, and the best thing we can do today is do things like this to help educate consumers, healthcare consumers, on how to save that money. Uh, other you know, major payers such as Blue Cross or Cigna or Aetna are all taking significant steps today to drive patients to outpatient centers, not just for imaging, for other things as well, whether it be surgery or therapies. Uh, but with respect to imaging, they are certainly putting in systems to drive patients away from the, the more expensive institutions into the outpatient services. So go ahead. Dan. Yeah, I was going to say, we, you know, we, we really do. And to, to Scott's point, that we run our facilities like they're a retail business. And, mm. and so that means heavy emphasis on customer service. But we're also conscious. I know. You let me choose my music when I came. I we're, loved it. It's the little things, right? <laughs> so we do. We, we, we put an emphasis on customer service. Um, but we, there's still, we also put a, a heavy emphasis on quality. And we, we don't want to necessarily be the low-cost provider. But when it compares to the, again, to the hospital's, uh, we can save people so much money. And, and I think that we're finding people more and more uh, are are doing just what you did. They're calling us. And, and I, you know, as uh, being in the industry, I do the same. So when I have to have something done, I call and say, hey, you know, what is your contracted rate with such and such? And and you'd be surprised how many people don't know what the contracted rate is. And so, you know, we're we're very transparent when it comes to that. But most, you'd be surprised, most people do not know what their insurance 
that's paid for by their employer provides. Mm. And, and I'll come back to that because I said I would. It is about the contracted rate. And when people call, whether it be a hospital or an outpatient imaging center, the question is not really what will it cost me uh, or what, what do you charge? That, that has nothing to do with anything, quite honestly. The question should be, what is your contracted rate with my insurance company? That they should be able to provide that to you in great detail because they know their contracts. Unfortunately, most hospitals will not provide that to you even on a phone call. Uh, but it is all about that contracted rate because when the hospital goes to bill the insurance company for that, it could be a $2,500 contracted rate. And if that is the case, then you are going to have to pay that $2,500 out of your pocket. Our contracted rate with most of the large insurers uh, in, in the Southeast, for that matter, is, as I said, five to $550. That's the contracted rate. So consumers need to know it is about the contracted rate, not about what you charge or what you know my portion will be. The contract rate is critical. And most people, as Dan said, don't know to ask that question. Mm. And just to make sure that um, our listeners are kind of tracking with how you work, you all have freestanding centers. Many people may or may not know most of my consulting work has been in healthcare. So you have freestanding centers and you have to get like a the certificate of need if you want to build those centers. And they're kind of like other surgery centers, like where people would go to get cataracts done and things like that. Yes? Go ahead. Yeah, I think yeah. that, you know, our facilities are all just run-of-the-mill, brick-and-mortar. You know, you pull, you pull up right out front, you walk in the front door, you have your procedure done, and you leave, just like you would for the grocery store, for, for what it's worth, or lack of a better example. And I think that the, you use the word freestanding. I think that the, the really... Uh, confusing part nowadays is, is people keep throwing around those words freestanding and outpatient really very liberally when they talk about, well, it's an outpatient center. That word does not necessarily translate into a cost to the patient, right? So the, the non-hospital des- uh, description that, that should precede that is the important part. Mm. Non-hospital outpatient. I, I think what Dan's saying is there are a lot of hospital-owned freestanding outpatient facilities, but because they're within uh, and I don't want to get too detailed here, but b- because they're within 35 miles of the mothership hospital, they can charge hospital rates. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Uh, you may walk into a freestanding imaging center, but in this town, Atlanta, uh, it's a very good chance that the hospital owns that imaging center. Well, there's been a lot of consolidation too, which we haven't talked about probably on the show as much. Like given all the pressures that are happening, there are a lot of physicians who may have owned this ASC or you know some other company may have owned that, at one point, owned the freestanding building and then Emory or whoever came in and bought it. You're exactly right. For exactly that reason, because just by have, by owning that center, they can, instead of charging $500, just by being hospital-owned, they can now charge $3,000 for the same That's thing. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We've seen that in the last three to four years here. Some hospitals, one in particular, I guess I won't mention by name, but they have gone on a buying binge and really, in our industry, gobbled up 90% of what's in this marketplace. We are one of the only ones left that did not sell to a hospital. And you're exactly right. They buy it, they, they close the deal on a Friday, uh, and those $500 scans uh, at the imaging center, well, by Monday, they're $3,000 because the hospital bought them. And most people aren't aware of it. The name can stay the same for a while, and they don't really uh, catch on to it. Uh, but I want to come back to what you said just a moment ago regarding CONs. Georgia is a certificate of need state. And we cannot open up an imaging center without state approval. Unfortunately, in the past 18 months, we have been denied on five straight CON requests in markets that we felt were entirely void of non-hospital imaging. Uh, Douglasville is a great example. Conyers is a great example. 
And when we've tried to get imaging centers into those markets, and we have failed five times through the Department of Community Health, unfortunately, the consequence of that is consumers in those markets now have to drive into Atlanta or some other location to get a scan when they really should be able to get a cost-effective MRI or CT scan in their home market, if that's Douglasville or Conyers. Uh, and unfortunately, we live in a CON state, and, and they just have not been able to. They just, for whatever reason, they don't permit us to develop any additional centers. How does that work with this tension on, like, we're going to try to drive down costs, we're going to try to drive down costs, and yet if your thing is, is the same, right, and is a sixth of what it charge, it's supposed to cost at a hospital, I don't get how that, how does that work? It's a great point, and we, we can't figure it out either because... As we started out the show by saying, the most, uh, uh, the biggest trend we're seeing is cost-driven. How do we get cost of healthcare down? And this certainly is a way uh, to provide consumers a lower-cost alternative, uh, by but still giving them choices. If they want to go to the hospital, they're free to go to the hospital. But if if they want to go to an outpatient center and uh, receive the cost savings, then they should have that option. Unfortunately, in a certificate of need state. You just don't have that, unfortunately. And unfortunately as well, it keeps price up. Now, there's arguments out there on all sides about whether CON is legit or should stay or go or whatever. Uh, but that's a big, big, big political debate that uh, unfortunately I think uh, we're probably too small to conquer. But we have been trying the last couple of years. We've been doing a lot of lobbying and so forth. Uh, but it's very difficult. It's a good old boy club and it's pretty well controlled by the hospital systems. But I think also or the state doesn't seem to see it as a cost savings opportunity to healthcare, but the payers do. And we've seen that recently, uh, really three major payers in, in uh, the state of Georgia have all started initiatives where they're actually redirecting care. They will not authorize exams if they're not deemed necessary to be done inpatient at a hospital setting. So that we've seen a lot of that being redirected out into our facilities. And, and so, you know, if, 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 if the payers are seeing this opportunity, you know, we, I think to what baffles us the most is that the state doesn't seem to. And, and so we continue to try and we'll fight the good fight, I guess. Yeah, and that's a great point because that's fairly recent news. Uh, Blue Cross uh, September 1 made it effective that uh, no MRI or CT scan will be done in a hospital setting uh, if it is not an emergent scan. And that is, uh, I think, a tremendous evidence. That must make you happy. Well, it does. Absolutely. It should be very good for us. We'll see. I mean, we should be well positioned to receive those patients. Uh, you know, time will tell. Uh, but what's interesting is is the, the insurance companies are taking the lead on this, it appears, after a number of years of, I guess, uh, probably debating it. Uh, but it is, uh, I think that will help educate consumers as much as anything, uh, because, because it's going to kind of force them to go to an outpatient uh, imaging center in this case. When someone's de uh, deductible is met, it's all the insurance company's pocket, right? So they are taking steps, much like consumers when the, when the deductible is not met. Mm -hmm. uh, they are taking steps to control their own cost. Great. I want to um, change the, switch the conversation a little bit to, to something that I, that I heard. So technology has been coming up a lot as we've talked about trends that are affecting businesses and CEOs in the middle market. I heard, you know, maybe right or wrong, um, in a conversation with another CEO about a technology that may replace radiologists, right? There is this technology, forgive me, you guys are probably more familiar with than I am, um, that can read x-rays or, you know, read MRIs and make the radiologist's work obsolete. Either the thought that there is really um, 
well-educated, highly trained workers versus other workers that could be potentially displaced by technology is something that is kind of an ongoing theme. I would love for you to weigh in on how you're thinking about that, whether or not it's something that may be disruptive to you. Like how are how are some of these technologies, you know, automated um, automation or artificial intelligence affecting you, if, if at all? I think that, uh, and Scott and I may have a little bit of different differing opinions on it, but uh, it's definitely out there. You know, it's it's there's this AI initiative to to kind of create uh, technology. I know um, uh, the Watson uh, uh, software is kind of leading the way right now, and I tend to believe that it won't happen. In, in the near future, but it's, it's definitely coming. And we're seeing some of that already, right, through uh, there's, there's CAD systems out there now that already kind of help direct a physician to an area of concern, right? And then it's just that next step is, is actually kind of say, okay, so now that we found the area of concern, what does that, what does that mean? And so I think, I, I definitely think it's coming. And, and I think uh, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day. It, it started with, you know, it's, it's just kind of we're baby stepping into it. It just started with the, the te- teleradiology technology push, right? So it's now now uh, physicians can read from anywhere. And so the technology just continues to get better and better in our industry. They can read from their homes. They can read from the beach and literally look at images anywhere. And, and now the PAC systems that they read from are, are more powerful than they've, they've been in the past. And they, they're more automated than they've been in the past. And so I, I think the AI stuff is really is that next step. No, no question. I think we're going in that direction. And Dan's uh, uh, right in the sense that it won't happen real soon. But indeed, it will happen in time. Uh, where we'll have automated uh, interpretations of these high-tech scans. Who knows when that will happen? You know, radiologists are, are obviously a critical component to what we do today. Uh, and without them, we really couldn't have a successful, viable business. Uh, but that, that is in jeopardy long-term. Uh, you know, 20 years from now, that could be a whole different model and having computers do the interpretations. But more importantly than that for us today is the continued uh, development of software technology for MRIs, particularly MRIs. We've been in this business now 19 years. And just in the past three to four years, we've started doing uh, new scans. One is called DTI, diffusion tensor imaging, which is for concussions. It is the first time that we can actually see a concussion on a picture. Uh, Otherwise, it was just you had to do these subjective tests and such to determine that you've had a, a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Uh, now we can actually see it, and the, the software will actually peel away the brain, in, in, like an onion, if you will, mm. uh, in layers. And we can get down to the neuropathways and see where they are actually broken. And it's on, a, it's on a film. It's incredible. The best part about that is now the physicians can treat that individual, return them to work or play based on their follow-up scan so we can see the healing. It's not just that you can see the, the damage, but now you can see that the brain is properly healed. And then you are good to go back to whether it be football or work or whatever the case may be. Uh, that's awesome technology. And there's only about four or five places in the country that are doing that with any type of effort today. Uh, it's a fairly expensive study in most places. American Health Imaging bought the, uh, the software, uh, started buying it three or four years ago and putting it on, on all of its new MRI scanners. And you know, we're able to deliver the, the technology for about, I think, all in with the brain scan because you have to do the whole brain scan. Uh, with this technology is about a thousand bucks or so. Mm. Uh, there are other places in the country that are charging eight to ten thousand dollars for the same thing. But it is uh, it is phenomenal technology. In addition to that, we're now able to do really high quality breast I- imaging on MRIs. Uh, that wasn't always the case. Software wasn't always that great. Not many radiologists wanted to read it. That is all changing. 
And American Health Imaging is actually probably the only one in, in Atlanta outpatient non-hospital that's providing the service for women uh, who I think probably the most common uh, women that come are ones that have dense breasts. And so now that if, you're, if your physician qualifies you as somebody with truly dense breasts, then you have a right and your insurance has an obligation to pay for that MRI scan versus just a mammogram study. Uh, so that's amazing technology as well. Uh, we've, are, we've also started doing uh, some prostate studies, which is kind of up re really very, very new <coughs> and up and coming in terms of getting away from the, the old form of testing. We've also started to do some, some really cool uh, abdominal stuff, and, and I'm getting kind of nerdy on, on all the clinical side of it, but it, we get excited about it. And there's stuff you can do now for people with Crohn's disease mm. that doesn't require them to continue to go in and get subjected to radiation every single year. And you can do it on an MRI unit now. You couldn't do that in the past. And so I think that in our world, it's a what's called a 1.5 Tesla magnet, and that's the strength of the magnet that's doing the exam. You can have a 1.5 Tesla magnet from 10 years ago, and we can put a new one in today, but they're not apples to apples. Most of it nowadays really is software-driven, and it goes to this conversation of technology. So the software that, 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 that comes along with that magnet is so far advanced from where it was when we started doing this 19 years ago. Mm. And, and it's, it's really, I mean, it's benefited the patient and, and to be able to do it for a affordable prices has made it much easier, much easier, much more uh, easier for a patient to kind Accessible of Accessible to most anybody who wants to do it. Yeah. Listeners, we're, we're talking with the CEO and COO of American Health Imaging. And <clears throat> I want to turn the conversation again to talk about you and your team and how you've, you've built this company. So Scott, you founded, you founded American Health Imaging you know, you have uh, Dan as your COO. What are your recommendations for other CEOs listening uh, to the show about how to achieve the kind of fast growth, whether the some of the storms that you're going through through now and and have a culture that reinforces the the values that that are important to you? So when we started American Health Imaging 19 years ago, our founding philosophy, among a few other things, really was providing excellent customer service in a healthcare setting. Let's face it, we've all been to healthcare settings and the service is really kind of lousy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, most physicians you go in, and I'm not picking on them because, you know, we live and die by them, but their, their office has a window there and somebody opens the window and slides you a clipboard and says, fill this out and come back. And then you do. And, and then you sit down and you wait. Our, and wait. And wait. Right. And wait. Right. And wait. Our facilities, none, <laughs> none of our facilities have windows, right? Yeah. We want our, our customers, and that's how I view them as customers, not patients. But we want our customers to feel connected to us right from the moment, the moment they walk in the door. Plus, our environment there is not hospital-like, not medical-like. It is not sterile. It, it is not a tile floor. It really is supposed to be warm and comforting and, and, and inviting. She gave me a blanket, too. I forgot about that. Excellent. Excellent. Good. So, yeah, when the patient or the customer goes back and has the actual scan, yeah, you may get a blanket or you may get uh, a radio choice while you're in the scanner, what you want to listen to, what's your favorite genre. We try to give the customer a, a great experience. You know, it's, it's less expensive or it's, let's just, I hate to say as cheap as we are by comparison to a hospital, it's still $500. And most people don't spend $500 in one given day. So it's still a big expenditure for them at that moment. That being said, we want them to have a tremendous experience. And when they walk out, we want them to think to themselves, wow, that was really good. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I, what I expected. If we can accomplish that, then we've done something different than 99% of the healthcare uh, providers out there. Damn and, straight. and that's what we're after. <laughs> so we set the culture up uh, from that day one. And we've just built on that over, you know, over all the years. And Dan, uh, Dan's been with the company for 
12, 13 years? Yeah, 13 now. Uh, and has had a tremendous impact in carrying on that mission and trying to build on that with other things, uh, which we could go into for hours if we wanted to. Uh, but our team, uh, Dan being the CEO and his his group under him with the regional managers and such, they really spend a lot of time, energy, and, and, and money, quite honestly, in, in always reinforcing with the staff, what the mission is, and but also remembering that you can't have happy customers if you don't have happy staff members. Mm. And so we have to do a lot of things and want to do a lot of things for our, our team to make them uh, committed to the dream, so to speak. Uh, and, and, and his team has just done a great job with that. There are a lot of things you can do uh, with respect to that, but the culture of the company is critical to driving the growth of the company. Mm. I think that the team is kind of the the important part there because we really do, for the most part, I, mean, I remember when I started here 13 years ago and, and I sat in the interview and they talked to me about how this is, you know, for lack of a better example, this is your franchise to run and, and it will go as you go. And, mm. and, and I really, that, that's kind of what got me to, to sign up. And, and so we, we try to lead that same way. Now we still have a company to run and, and we still try to put some things in place to help control cost and, and contracts and things like that. But beyond that, we really lean on our local center managers and, and sales team to make good decisions to, that, that both take care of our patients, take care of our referring physicians. And to some degree, I mean, we, we, we've got three sets of customers. We've got, now we've got the insurance companies because they're directing to us. We've got the patients, but then we've got our referring physicians. And so we really lean heavily on, on our, our center staff to make good decisions. And I, I think we've done a good job of hiring to fill those roles over the years. And you know what? Like any company out there, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. It's, we're just human beings trying to do a good job. Uh, our philosophy there is when we make mistakes, fix it better than the customer ever expected you to, mm. and it will erase the mistake. And so we own up to them. We, and, and, and again, they're going to happen. But I think uh, we can turn those negatives into positives because they're going to happen. Uh, and have those people speaking good things about us in the community. Mm. So one of the things I'm, I'm very intrigued by is how you, Scott and Dan, have your cultural values, right? And how you make sure that the person that's in Texas, in the imaging center in Texas, you know, who may be the person that you just hired, right? How do you make sure that they do the same thing? Well, it comes back to leadership, I think. And we've got some folks out there on, on Dan's team that are regional leaders and have been with us uh, for quite some time. Uh, Scott Robertson is our, our chief, uh, or our, our regional operations manager in Texas. He's been with the company for 13 11, years. 13 years of also. Uh, so he too understands those core philosophies and, and does a great job of, of keeping those alive. It's easy to forget those over time, uh, but our guys do a great job of keeping that alive and, and going forward. So any company, any company, I don't care what industry you're in, it is built on the people. Mm -hmm. It is not the founder. It's not the, the, the product really in most cases. It is the people that deliver it every day. And so we've, we're just lucky. We've got great people, but in order to not have luck. great... It wasn't well, luck. you got to have great people and you, you've <laughs> got to take care of those great people right. and, and make them uh, always believe from my position down that they're appreciated and uh, they're part of the team. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a fairly laid back, I think, Dan may disagree. Most uh, <laughs> days. Laid, laid back CEO and founder. Uh, but I, I, I believe intently in letting these guys uh, do their job and do it to the best of their ability. When we hired them, we believed in them. And we've got to believe in them in our actions. And so I don't get involved in their their stuff. I just uh, uh, help them. I guide them. Uh, but they're they're smart enough to figure it out. And that's when people feel empowered. 
And that's, I think, for the most part, everybody in our organization. You know, another thing we've done kind of along these same lines is from the, the I don't want to use that term, but from the front desk, mm-hmm. the, the lowest hourly individuals we have, say there's a part-time individual, you know, they, they're not making a lot of money. But every individual in our company from that position up is on a, a, an incentive plan to help us accomplish our goals as a company on a monthly basis. And we share the success of that uh, of that of the company with them each month. Mm. When they took the job, we gave them an offer letter. It had nothing to do, said nothing about an incentive plan. They took the job based on a salary and benefits as we all do. But once they joined us, we said, oh, and by the way, we do this plan because we want to That's share a the nice success. Little surprise. It is. And 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 we want to share the success of the company with those on the front lines that make it successful. And we have people here that their income goes up 20, 30, 40% when we give that to them because they're fairly lucrative plans because I believe, as I have from day one, share the success of the business. Mm. This is not a company whereby, uh, in my, my case, the, the founder and, and owner is the one that's cashing all the checks. Uh, we really put it back to the, the people that make it happen because, again, as I said a moment ago, it is the people that make a company great. I guess it was about four years ago as we kind of started down the road of some very rapid growth. Uh, we realized that that we our footprint was growing and, and we were starting to put centers in places where, you know, Scott may not be able to get every day or I couldn't get every day. Whereas in the past, we'd, we'd spend more and more time with the staff than we're able to today. Mm. And so what we did is, is we we totally rebuilt our onboarding and training program. And and we wanted, we, so any employee, whether it's Texas, Alabama, Florida, we bring them to Atlanta we have them sit in a room for two days with the other people that have been hired as well, which of late seems to be, the room seems to be pretty full. That's great. That's not a bad thing. And so they That's come great. and they spend two days with Makes us. Makes me nervous though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, the whole first day is just core value stuff, right? It's, mm. it's, this is why we're here. This is what we believe in. This is what we want to be out in the centers. And then the second day is, is really kind of the, the operational training stuff and going over use our systems and but I think that does a lot to help them remember the fact that they're a part of something bigger, right? It can be easy to sit out and Dallas, Texas, and and feel like, well, you know, we're just the one center here in Dallas, Texas, but there's there's 22 behind you and and beyond all the support staff at our, our, our corporate office. And I think that that's the important thing is that our corporate office really is we're, we're a support team more than anything. Uh, we're there when they call and, and, and do our best to try to make great decisions, to keep the company healthy. And, you know, and trying to keep everybody together and feeling as if they're on a bigger team than they are just, say, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, weekend after this uh, is our annual employee appreciation party. You mean like in October something? It's going to S- be September 30th. Okay. September 30th. Yeah. We fly everybody here, every employee and their spouse on our nickel. We fly them here and we celebrate the weekend with them. We have a party Saturday night. Uh, it's all about them. It's all about putting back to them. And I think by and large, most everybody loves it. And we've been doing it for years and years. Uh, it's not cheap. Uh, but it it rewards the people that make a company great. Great. So what does the future hold for, for y'all, for American Health Imaging? I'll probably have less hair. Uh, <laughs> he has great hair now. Y'all. <laughs> He's looking at me. I've been in it longer than him. <laughs> He's following him. Y'all both steps. have great hair. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. What does the future hold? You know, we think the future is actually very bright for what we do. It is what we do, and I don't claim to understand it. I'll, I'll have to admit all of it, at least. It is amazing technology that we use every day. And that technology has become 
commonplace with respect to treatment planning and treatment follow-up and such. So we feel secure in the future ahead with the technology we have. Yes, it's advancing at a rapid clip with respect to software and such, but that's good. And and we're passionate about what we do. And I think Dan and I and many others in the company really do love this stuff. It is uh, is amazing. So we keep up with it. We learn about DTI. We learn about breast imaging and SWI and other things. So we're always trying to stay on the cutting edge of the technology out there. And that is something I would say, because your show is about this, about what do CEOs or what should CEOs do? And we are we are crazy passionate about keeping up with what is current and where we're going, not just tomorrow or, or next year, but five years out. Where is this industry going and what do we need to be looking at now? Because we want to be the highest tech outpatient non-hospital imaging provider out there. And with that that challenge, you have to stay current and looking well ahead of what's coming. So I'm excited about what's what's coming. I think the technology to detect things at a much earlier uh, uh, state, if you will, uh, is is coming all the time with different diseases and so forth. Uh, and will this technology with with some things such as knees or or backs become much easier? Yeah, sure it will. I mean, the scans that we 19 years ago, for a lumbar scan, which by the way is our number one study every month in every center, never changes. That was about a 45 minute scan. Mm. We now do that in 18, 18 minutes. 18 yeah. minutes. Mm. Uh, so it's getting faster. The manufacturers of the equipment are getting better. They're coming up with great things for the future and such. So we're excited from, about it in that, from that standpoint. More importantly, as we all know, the, the population is aging and the largest growing population in our country is the Medicare or the over 65 crew. We believe that will continue to fuel. Those are the health, the health dollar spending years. We believe that will continue to fuel our business. A lot of people look at imaging as the front door. Uh, hospitals will say it's the front door of the hospital because so much of what they do comes after the scan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, with the cost thing happening and such, I think our uh, our customer volume will continue to grow and be be safe and uh, uh, provide us a great future. I think that we, you know, as we look forward to, we we continue to kind of talk about, uh, you know, Scott mentioned specifically, you know, the Medicare uh, exams and and it it's harder again in my 13 years here. It is harder today than it's ever been to make a living doing what we do, doing it the way we do it. You can go buy cheap equipment and put it in, and you can do all right. I think as we continue to look forward, we continue to focus on Medicare. They'll pay us $246 for that lumbar ex- uh, exam that, that Scott mentioned. We lose money on every single one, but we continue to do it and see those exams. But I think that as we've looked at our, our business and look forward, we continue to look for ways to automate our systems and find new ways to be more efficient so that we can control our cost. We're always reevaluating our contracts with our vendors and things like that. Um, and I think if we continue to do that, as that as that that population uh, growth continues to to impact our scans, uh, you know, we'll be here for a long time, and hopefully with many more centers. Awesome. Well, uh, folks, we've been talking with American Health Health Imaging, their CEO and COO. It's been great to have you, gentlemen. You've been listening to CEO Exclusive. I'm your host, Soyini Coke. I hope you have a profitable, productive, and very prosperous week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.